You're listening to the awesome Podcast Network. Whew, good to be back here on 80s Revisited. This week we're talking about the Rutger Hauer classic question mark mm. blind fury also we catch up on some of our fav- what we've been watching our favorite genesis games and we talk we kind of discuss a tv show we might like to see rebooted it's all coming up right here on 80s revisited this is 80s revisited i'm your producer jesse sedgley and now your host Trey Harris. Hey, man. You got to have some salts on your burrito. What you want? Mild or hot? <laughs> Mild, please. This is great because our listeners can't see this scene, so they're like Rutger Hauer right now. But he's actually putting the super hot sauce on his burrito. But you can't see that because you're playing the role of Rutger Hauer right now. What a zinger. Let's see what happens. Muchas gracias. De nada. <laughs> Got him! <laughs> <laughs> Steam coming out the ears, face red, thermometer back of the head, hitting the top. Not bad. It's a little too mild for me. Oh. Something a little more macho. Would you ask for mild? <laughs> <laughs> but welcome back, everybody, to the often delayed but never totally delayed uh, episode of Age Revisited. I'm whoops! Wow, that was super loud in my ears. <laughs> I kicked the table. I didn't hear much. Wow, it was like yeah. lightning strike. But anyway, sure of course, I'm your host Trey Harris. With me, as always, loyal producer Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. And we're back today, finally, to talk about. Blind Fury, released August 17th, 1989 in Germany. Didn't come out here in the United States, however, till March 16th, 1990, but it's still technically an 80s movie. It just didn't get released over here in time. Blasphemy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this movie must be that important that you wanted to throw it in. Well, we'll get to that in just one. (laughs) You could have let it go on a technicality that it wasn't the 80s. The first thing was I had already watched it. Oh. Because when I first looked it up, it said 1989. Uh-huh. Didn't see the Germany part. Uh-huh. But I already watched it, made my little sheets. Like, wait a second. March 16, 1990. Son of a bitch. Wait, Germany? Okay. it's it. Criteria has barely <laughs> been met. <laughs> but anyway, IMDb gives it a 6.3. Rotten Tomatoes, 58% critics, 51% audience. Estimated $10 million budget. Opened, however, only for $868,000. Uh, it was number 12 for the week, the week of release uh, in the United States, at least, which was, again, March 16th, 1990. Hunt for Red October, which Sean Connery was number one for the third week. Wow. And if I remember correctly, that was the first Tom Clancy movie, at least that I can think of. So I was roughly eight, and that was about when I saw my first movie, because that was one of the first movies I saw. Really? Hunt for October? Yep. Awesome. Still a great movie. Tim Curry, Alec Baldwin, Sean Connery, Sam Neill. Great cast. Strange first kids movie. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> you know, some, I can't tell you what my first one was, but <laughs> that's a good one at least. Uh, domestically, Blind Fury went on to unfortunately only gross $2.6 million. And if the budget was in fact estimated at $10 million, it was a flop. And I'll mm-hmm. tell you right now, if that was the budget, I didn't see it in this movie. I don't see where it went <laughs> unless Howard's salary was just astronomical. It was directed by Philip Noyce. Noyce. Noyce, he's a Noyce guy, I heard. But he's also <laughs> did uh, Salt with Angelina, also The Bone Collector with Angelina. Uh, speaking of Tom Clancy, Patriot Games, and Clear and Present Danger. So it's funny, his, this film of his got stomped at the box office by Hunt for Red October, but the uh, two Harrison Ford Jack Ryan films, Patriot Games and Clear and Present Danger, he got the job for that. Kind of mm. ironic in a little way. Uh, written by Charles Robert Carner. Uh, the only thing he did was Jim Cotta. <laughs> So that tells you the pedigree of this film. Mm. Uh, and starring the great, even in this movie, Rutger Hauer as Nick Paca. Of course, veteran of the podcast with Blade Runner, uh, Sin City, Flesh and Blood, The Hitcher. <clears throat> Excuse me, always great to see Rutger Hauer show up. Fantastic actor. Uh, Terry O'Quinn, another veteran of the podcast, was Devereaux. Such a 
oft-used film name for a character, <laughs> it seems. Of course, most people might know him, know him from Lost, but a veteran of the podcast with Silver Bullet. And he's also in Tombstone, which I just watched recently. And we opened the show with for Real Genius because Real Genius sucked. <laughs> uh, we wanted to listen to a good Val Kilmer movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon Call was Billy. And the whole time I'm look, my wife picked, you know, Autumn's really good with faces and voices. And she's like, that kid looks so familiar. I'm like, I don't know him from Adam. She's like, oh, it's that kid from Step by Step. And look it up, and sure enough, she was right. So she was uh, JT or whatever, like the oldest boy kid in Step by Step. Part of TGIF, I believe, at one point. Hmm. Uh, Lisa Blunt, another veteran of the podcast, was Annie. She was in Prince of Darkness, John Carpenter, and also Officer and a Gentleman. Uh, and she passed away uh, rather uh, young as well, so she's no longer with us. 53 years old. Yep, she was very, very pretty as well. Such a shame. Uh, another veteran of the podcast, Nick Cassavetes as Lyle. He was mm. in The Wraith, which I believe was recommended to us. Uh, it was during request month. I'm trying to remember who recommended it. I think it might have been John with Now vs. Nostalgia recommended that one. Mm. And it's also on Netflix now if you never caught it then. So, He's uh, a director now. Oh, yeah, Cassavetes? Yeah. yeah. Uh, He's and, doing Roadhouse. Wait. He did Roadhouse, or he's doing... He's doing the new in, one. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah, I also saw, too, they're, uh, in front of... Uh, we'll talk about movies we've seen recently, but what did we go? Oh, in front of Baby Driver, uh, there's a trailer for Flatliners. So they're remaking Flatliners. Huh. And it looks stupid, bruh. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, let's see, where was it? Uh, Rick Overton was Tector. He's also another veteran of the podcast as well. Full. Actually, the next two are, have been in the podcast before. Uh, he was also in Willow, Cloverfield, and Groundhog Day. Meg Foster, if you don't know who she is, she has the bluest eyes in Texas. Uh, she was Lynn. Funny, her name was Lynn in this, but she was also Evil Lynn in Masters of the Universe. Also, They Live, and she had a bit role in the second or third episode of the Twin Peaks revival this season as the uh, casino girl telling Dougie where to go. Uh, Randall Tex Cobb was Slag. He was also in Ernest Goes to Jail, Ace Ventura, Raising Arizona, and The Golden Child. Veteran of the podcast as well. Uh, Charles Cooper, he was Cobb. He was in Star Trek V, and he's a pretty much did a ton and ton of TV uh, with his career mainly. And last but not least, Sho Kusugi as the assassin. He was also in Enter the Ninja, Revenge of the Ninja, Ninja 3, The Domination, Nine Deaths of the Ninja, Ninja Assassin, and he was the voice actor for Rikimaru in the PlayStation original PlayStation Tenchu series, mm. which fantastic game back in the day. It came out shortly after... Uh, Metal Gear Solid, and I was very anchored. quotable too. <laughs> are you being for real? Or are you, are you talking about like the Japanese yeah. voice acting? Well, yeah. I mean, in that first level, uh, I forget what his name is, but Joe likes his money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, there's like I think it was the fourth level. It's a big fat boss, and she's like, "I want you in my belly." <laughs> So, I mean, that's why I didn't know if you were actually telling me that you remembered some quotes for it or not. But yeah, like yeah. the first Tenchu was awesome, a fantastic stealth game. Really, uh, you know, Metal Gear kind of really got people into that genre, but then Tenchu really expanded it and differentiated itself from uh, Metal Gear. No, of course, nowhere near the story or anything like that and the epicness of Metal Gear, but nevertheless, Tenchu was a fantastic game. Uh, shame but not really one league one's come out since Xbox 360 so sad would like somebody to go back to and bring it back would be would be nice I'd be up for it Don Burgess was the cinematographer for this movie who also did Forrest Gump Spider-Man Castaway and Source Code so and most recently Monster Trucks and Allied (laughs) and wow he's done a lot of stuff yeah he's he's, he's had a career Book of Eli love that one so I mean you know, I hope Blind Fury stacked up to it, because no, no, no. as we'll learn, that I did not watch this one. <laughs> well, let me tell you about it, since we're talking about it. Sure. Here's, we, here, here's the exact reason we did this movie. And again, I always tell the story about TB, you know, or watch it as a, when we were kids in the 80s, TBS, USA, TNT, these channels ritually played movies from the 80s over and over and over. Well, me and my brother managed to catch this one time. One time on TBS, and we're like... I don't remember how old we are. Obviously, I was at least 10, 9 or 10 at the time. Uh, so, you know, well after it came out. And I just remember we watched like, this movie is awesome. This is so amazing. He's like blind. He's like Daredevil and he's got a sword. So, this is awesome. And until I watched it a couple weeks ago for this podcast, had never, ever seen it again since then. 
So this was you thought it was awesome. Literally the second time I ever watched this movie, and boy, let me tell you, I was disappointed. <laughs> I, rem- I me and my brother watched it. I, I distinctly remember sitting in our living room, like, damn, like this is so awesome. He's blind. And he's like, get the sword. And like, we we loved it. We were just like, God, it's great. Never saw it again. Never even talked about it. Uh. And then, like I said, like, oh, recent 89, I have to do it for the podcast because, I, <laughs> hey, I want to see it again. And I'm, I'm being a little kind of critical of it. it. It's not a terrible movie, but it's not a good movie either. Uh, Rucker Hauer, he's great in it. It's, here's what, I guess the best way to describe this film is that it's a PG action movie. Mm. So it's more along the lines of Three Ninjas with a little bit of extreme violence as opposed to... You know, RoboCop, well, that's way too, that's too big of a jump. Uh, some of the 80s Shaw Brothers or uh, Asian cinema back in the day, so to speak. It's, it's very lighthearted. It's very silly. And, of course, he's blind, so there's all, you know, it definitely has, like, a daredevil aspect to it because every sense is so advanced where he can hear him cheating at roulette like we're watching right now, and he can hear the heartbeat and everything because, of course, that's how it has to be uh, and everything, but... If you haven't seen it, it's worth watching once, and then you'll never watch it again. Uh, I did enjoy watching it, but it was at the same time, like I can't believe I thought as a kid, as a twelve-year-old, this was like the most badass thing I've ever seen in my life. At that point, uh, and everything, but it's <laughs> does not hold up in terms oh of that gosh. level. So the memory did not help the revisit whatsoever. But it's it's a very uneven film to where like you have this action like, very serious part like this mother gets gunned down he's like oh you know I'll protect your child and then like all of a sudden they're popping jokes and he says Uncle Rick here eat some candy and he gives him a rock and he eats he starts chewing on the rock and he's like well, it's good okay you have all these enhanced senses <laughs> and he puts a rock in your hand and you can't tell that it's a rock but you can hear heartbeats and electronic devices and hear people coming from a mile away but uh, <laughs> but I mean, as you can see here, he Howard does a great job of like being blind, like in terms of like, like I buy the fact that he can't see, or he's mm-hmm. you know he's miming the disability part of it, you know. But I mean, uh, it's definitely better than Ben Affleck's Daredevil. Put it to you that way. It looks like John Barenthal in the. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, that freeze frame. It absolutely does. Of course, he would have been like. Ten. Ten, yeah. <laughs> <Or something> <laughs> <laughs> it really does. Like that whole thing. <laughs> That's a good observation. But yeah. yeah. Uh, again, it's, I don't want to sound too hard on or critical, but I, I was disappointed after watching it that it wasn't anywhere near as awesome as I remembered it being as My a My childhood as a kid. was a lie. <laughs> I mean, it still had like some cool parts, don't get me wrong. But at the same <laughs> he cuts his eyebrows off. It's oh, so Jesus. silly. Jesus. It's super silly, but again, like I, I see how 10, 12-year-old Trey loved this because it's not overly violent. It's not... What a strange boy. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking he can cut off people's eyebrows. Yeah. And, you know, but it, it's got that... It's got just enough of 80s violence in it in a PG film to kind of pass muster, so to speak, in terms of... Yeah, oh, it's a little bit more bloody and violent than some other stuff that, you know, at that age you tend to see on TV or stuff like that. So, yeah, just not not great, decent, not terrible, not bad. You know, we'll get to the score in a minute, but uh, at the end. But uh, <laughs> if you haven't seen it and you don't like, you know, kind of Asian-inspired martial arts stuff, you're probably not going to like it at all. It's not, Howard doesn't give a Blade Runner-esque performance here. Neither does any of the other actors. They're all everybody's making a paycheck in this one. Mm. No, no. Actually, let me it. Howard gives a good performance, but I mean, it's not. He he's playing a hero in this. He's normally a typical villain actor. Blade Runner, Hitcher, Sin City. Most of the stuff he's in, he's not the good guy. But he does a good job. He's a, I mean, he's a good actor. Period. Hmm. And like I said, him the the blindness miming. Or I say miming, but the blindness acting is done pretty well to where I buy that he's, you know, not paying attention to, you know, like we would if we using our sight. Like I I buy that. You know, it's not like he glued glued his eyes shut like Jamie Foxx for Ray, but did a good job. 
So, but uh, like our friend Ben in the Asia Mania podcast, I'm sure you would probably enjoy watching it, my friend, because, you know, it's got aspects of films that we like because we like Asian cinema. We like the martial arts aspect, the Japanese aspect of it. But as a whole, as an action film, there's really not much here. But again, as a kid, I swear, my memory of this film was so much more epic. It's basically like my memory was Lord of the Rings, and then watching it was like uh, Beastmaster. Hmm. You know, same ballpark, but not the same sport. <sighs> or uh, No, not even the same ballpark, but the same sport, to use a Pulp Fiction reference. Mm. But yeah, so I was, it was hard to not, like after watching, I was like, God, it sucked, like so bad. It was so much better to me. But imagine watching it for the first time without having that memory of it being so much better. It's, you know, that's why I'm trying to, like, make sure everybody understands that I'm not... I know it's not as bad as I might be making it out to be simply because I have a skewed memory of it. But, like I mentioned before, there are reasons to see it. But uh, some trivia on this film. Uh, after principal photography was completed, a sequel to the film was planned but never materialized, which, again, $10 million estimated budget made 2.6. There's your reason. Hmm. Uh, producer Tim Matheson screened a film called Zaitoichi Challenge. Uh, hold on, I'm not going to pronounce that. Or for their, uh, another producer to develop as an American remake. It took two directors, three studios, seven years, and 11 drafts of the screenplay to finally get the movie about a blind samurai in America made. Should be noted, this film is a sort of a Seven Samurai or a Magnificent Seven type movie in that it is based off a Japanese series of films called Zaitoichi. Or Zatoichi, I'm sure I'm not... One, one way I'm saying it has to be right, but I'm not sure which one. So I'll probably say it 10 different times over the course of this podcast. So pardon my ignorance for the correct pronunciation, if that is the case. Uh, so yeah, but uh, more on Zaitoichi later. But uh, Rucker Hauer said of this movie on his website uh, that it was one of the most difficult jobs for him because of the combination with the sword play. And he says, I'm glad it doesn't show. I mean that it was so difficult... He trained a month with a blind man who taught him his handicap, and he was such a nice man, and the first thing he told him was, don't get confused about what I see. He then trained every morning at 4.30 a.m. before shooting seven weeks for the film, and then they brought Sho Kusugi in, who was brought in for the sword play. That was an additional shoot for a week or so, and he had to combine what he learned from the blind man and adapt that to the sword play that he had to do. So, you know, pretty interesting, pretty unique, because... Uh, I mean, that's a blind swordsman. That was the whole Zatoichi deal was Zatoichi the blind swordsman because those Asian movie, uh, old kung fu movies always had something to do with them. It was always like there was crippled Avengers. One guy had no legs. One guy had no arms. One guy was mentally challenged. One guy was blind. One guy was deaf. So there's a lot of that uh, in Asian cinema, especially around this time, uh, not around this time, 89, but that's always been sort of a staple in a sense. Like there was uh, the one-armed swordsman. Mm. And, of course, I told you, the blind swordsman. So, you know, it gives them that superhero aspect, which is really cool because good superheroes have to have a weakness. You know, oh, he can't see you, but he can, you know, this is his power. You know, he's, he can do this or, excuse me, blah, blah, blah. You know, that goes. Uh, like I said, the movie was, this movie is technically a remake. It was released about 22 years after the original Zatoichi movie in 1967 had debuted. Its literal English translation is actually Zatoichi's Spurting Blood Road. Uh, the Japanese name, which I will now honestly butcher, so I'm warning you in advance. In Jap uh, Japan, it's Zatoichi Chikimori Kaido. Perfect. Wow, thank you. She got Melissa in here to help me out with that. Uh, <laughs> but of course, translated, literal literal translation is Zatoichi's Spurting Blood Road, which is a great title, or at least a song title on an album. Even though Melissa's a quarter Japanese, she's terrible at pronouncing, <laughs> pronouncing anything. <laughs> That's so funny. But uh, <laughs> Nick, Park, Nick Park and Frank Devereaux were written as nods to Marvel comic characters Nick Fury and Frank Castle, the Punisher. Both Nick Fury and Frank Castle were war veterans. Of course, Fury, World War II, Castle in Vietnam. Uh, Nick Parker is blinded by a mortar explosion, and Frank Devereaux's ex-wife Lynn is murdered by a legal casino, an illegal casino order owner. God, Jesus Christ. And crime boss, McCready, another like typical like movie name. Uh, both Nick Parker and Frank Devereaux are Vietnam veterans, and the film's title happens to be Blind Fury. So, Nick Fury, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, strangely enough, Siskel and Ebert gave the film two thumbs up. What? So, again, I'm Don't listen to critics. I'm very harsh on this film because of, as I stated numerous times before, the memory of it being absolutely mind-blowingly amazing. Uh, so, it's hard for me to objectively 
you know, revisiting it now is, you know, it's really not fair to the film because of what happened, you know, my impression going into it. Much like we talked about before with La La Land, how it being superly overrated, or so built up, and then I watched it, and I personally was like, eh. Yeah. But uh, let's see, Sly, oh, this this was all very interesting, because I didn't even remember this, but uh, the character Sly's death at the end of the movie was mirrored in Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, uh, when Darth Maul's cut in half in that shot. Actually, we're about, to, we're literally watching it right now. Watch. It's, look, watch. Whoop. Episode oh. one. <laughs> what you... With worse effects. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, basically. You think that was, inten- that was intentional? Yeah. Holy That's crap. That's what, it, I mean, according to IMDb, it sure. was intentional. Sure. So. Wow. But anyway, some quick history on Zatoichi. <laughs> Uh, it's a fictional. He is a fictional character featured in one of Japan's longest-running series of films and a television series that are both set during the late Edo period, which is the 1830s and 40s. Uh, the character is a blind masseur and blade master. Was created by novelist Ken Shimozawa. It has a total of 26 films, which started in 1962 with *The Tale of Zatoichi*. To 1989's *Zatoichi Darkness* is his ally. There was a 100-episode TV series from 74 to 79, four remakes and spinoffs, including *Blind Fury* and. None other than beat Takeshi, Takeshi, uh, beat Takeshi's Zatoichi in 2003. Of course, Takeshi's Castle, Most Extreme Elimination Challenge. He was in Ghost in the Shell recently. You should know who he is, in my opinion. And countless homages. Uh, Chirrut and Rogue One was a direct homage to Zatoichi. Uh, Stick, the character Stick in Daredevil, another one, the blind mentor, mm-hmm. uh, and everything. So it's it was it's an exceptionally influential work in a broad range. Of mediums, uh, but of course, this didn't catch on over here. Mm. But Daredevil, huge Netflix show. He's a big, you know, he's he's a huge, you know, sub Spider-Man level hero. I mean, he's a classic Marvel character uh, and everything. But in Japanese culture and Japanese film and cinema, Zatoichi is like you know the equivalent of our, uh, well, I'd say R, but you know, James Bond in a sense. He's that level of a character. Uh, in Asian cinema, so it's just a shame that he hasn't gotten a good American representation to where, and by that I mean, I'm not talking about, oh, let's go cast some white guy as Toichi in an American movie and have a big hubbub about it. No, there isn't a film that has been released, big budget American film that has, you know, successfully paid homage to that character or brought that character to American audiences in a worthwhile fashion. That's all I mean by that. Uh, Score-wise, if I, 12-year-old Trey would have given it a fucking 10. Loved it. <laughs> 37-year-old Trey gives it a 6. <laughs> again, it's not not terrible, not uh, but again, not great. There's better things you can watch and better things that I can recommend you to spend your time with. But if you like the genre, it's worth watching. Once and you'll forget it. Uh, but hey, if you, what, let us know what you think about it. Ladiesrevisited at gmail.com. Love to talk about it. And we don't want to do the real world part in the beginning. However, I want to talk about what happened in the real world around this time. Sure. Again, uh, uh, Zatoichi. Blind Fury released March 16th, uh, 1989. However, well, hold on. Never mind. Oh, no. Oh, excuse me. Oh, I'm sorry. I am right. Sorry. August 17th, 1989 in Germany is when it released. So that's the Back to the Future uh. Uh, in the real world date. And that is August. It released August 17th. Three days before, on August 14th, the Sega Genesis released in North America. Mm, okay. And that was the second console I ever had in the home. Of course, first being the NES. My aunt had an Atari, and I always want to go over to her house and play the Atari. But the Genesis was like, yes, yes, Sonic the Hedgehog, blast processing. You know, nothing was better than Sega. <laughs> you know, like, oh, I get excited. Sonic the Hedgehog, man. So that, w- that was huge, huge. Uh, for me, uh, in that point, of course, then then you had the con- the first true console war uh, when the SNES was released shortly after that. I was always hardcore Genesis all the way, MK on Genesis. Didn't have to get a Game Genie for the blood code for Mortal Kombat. So yeah, it was more pixelated. <laughs> I just got to do A-B-A-C-A-B-B. Bam! Blood code, bitch. Yep. Uh, but I was just going to talk a little, little bit because... Uh, I wish I, I should have wrote it down, but it's been so long. Our uh, listener that wanted a little more video game talk, but uh, some of my favorite Genesis games, Jesse. Uh, I know you play Genesis, so. Uh, but my personal favorites, some of them, uh, Sonic Two mm-hmm. was still, I think, 
when I think of a Gen- when I think of Genesis, I think of two games: Sonic Two and Eternal Champions. Sonic Two was a one and a half player game. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, bro, keep up, Tails. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I can't die, but if you die, I'm dead. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, Eternal Champions was, of course, a Sega created yeah. uh, fighting game. Which who's your player? Uh, in the original on Genesis itself right. was Larson, Larson and Rax. Rax. And for then me. on the Sega CD version, it was Shadow. And I think I wow. kept no Shadow and Xavier, the Warlock. I played. Yeah. I didn't play him too much on the original, but on Sega CD, I played him mainly. Hmm. And that's a series I would love to come back. Uh, absolutely love Eternal Champions. The whole story it was perfect for a fighting game. Uh, also, uh, some other Genesis games, though, that I rented a lot. Desert Strike. Of course, they had Urban Strike as well. It was a helicopter yeah. game. It was just fun blowing shit up for hours on end. <laughs> uh, Streets of Rage, particularly Part Streets 2. Streets of Rage 2, yep. yes. Loved it. So awesome. Yep. And then I, you know, I would be remiss not to mention arguably one of the greatest, if not the great, uh, second greatest sports game of all time after NBA Jam to me, Mutant League Football, which is mm. coming back because I backed it on Kickstarter, so it is coming. <laughs> they are redoing Mutant League football for current-gen console. So wow. Super, super excited for that. Did you play um, General Chaos? Mm-mm. I remember, see, that's a game that I truly wish I'd play, because it's like an RTS-type yeah. game, isn't it, or something like that? Uh, no, it's, it's a static screen over a battlefield, and one team controls five people, the other team controls Yeah, and it's like red versus people. blue yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, and it's who wins that. Yeah, I think you told me about that originally. Somebody in our circle mentioned it to me. I was like, God, that game sounds amazing. Yeah, you fight each other on this battlefield, and whoever wins that match moves on to the next battlefield, and then it finally comes together in the end. You see who wins it again. Yeah, it's a good game. That was one, unfortunately, I missed. I did have Echo the Dolphin, though. Oh, oh boy. (laughs) What about Michael Jackson's, what is this? uh, Moonwalker. Moonwalker. Yeah. I think I rented that. Forgettable. There's General Chaos, 1993. Yeah, that's that's definitely a game I wish I... Yeah, see... Like, if they release it for a phone or just something, like, and watching videos of it that I've seen, like, it looks so... Like, how did I never hear about this game? Like, it's amazing looking. <laughs> it was kind of ridiculous, you know, but they knew that with the art style in it. But, yeah. yeah, every once in a while, if you got too close to an enemy, it'd be a big puff of smoke, and then you'd have a fist fight, and the whole <laughs> thing would pause and just be the fist fight. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Like, uh, was it Blades of... Not Blades of Glory. Blades of Steel on NES. We had the ho- hockey game and the fight would break out. Road Rash. Road Rash 2 was amazing. Yes, yes. Love that game. Golden Axe 2 was great. There's all, always the twos in Genesis were, like, tended uh-huh. to be the best ones. Yeah, the first ones were all these prototypes. And <laughs> yeah, and then they got it right eventually. Yeah, they had a lot of those, like you said, Desert... That's... Desert Strike, Urban Strike, Jungle yeah, Strike. Yeah, they had a bunch of them, yeah. All fun. Like, I don't even care about the story. I just go around blowing shit up. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I did. And, and the like, Disney games were great back in that day. Aladdin, Lion King. Yeah, and they seem to run so smooth, too. Yeah, especially being on, you know, 16-bit hardware. Yeah. Comic Zone, very impressive, too. Like, uh, that game was awesome. Yeah, good yeah. memories. Lots of games. What's your favorite game? Let us know. Listener. 80sRevisited at gmail.com. Yeah. Or tweet us at 80sRevisited. I keep forgetting that we actually have a Twitter account. So we, and like, oh wait, we just did an episode, or, or one thing. of our friends did a podcast. Let me share their episode. Let me send that out. But yeah, so mm. you know, you could have gone to the, you would have, you know, if you, unfortunately, I would say you should have stayed home and played your Genesis as opposed to going to the theater and seeing Blind Fury. Mm. But uh, oh, flashback! That game, I remember that game like twenty times. I can never beat it. Flashback. The quest for identity. Oh. Very cool. unique uh, visual cool cover. style. Yeah. Like I would probably that'd be a game I would like to play again today because I would be more obviously I'm a better more patient gamer. This reminds me of the X Men game that was on that. System. Oh, the X Men on Genesis yeah. was still like uh, next to the arcade game is the mm-hmm. best X Men game ever yeah. made. Hard as shit too. Oh, I was you, you, you'd <laughs> fall off the map and then Gene would like float you up. Yep. And, yeah, it was so awesome, man. Nightcrawler was the, the oh, beast. You in that needed game. him for some of those. Levels. Yeah, like in the lighthouse or whatever. Like he just teleports to the bottom. Yeah. And you're when you fight that. Magneto, if you're if you're Nightcrawler, you're gonna win. Just <laughs> 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 he's like ah, take him out. But yeah, God, that game was amazing. The sequel, nah, I didn't care for it as much, but the original X-Men for Genesis, yeah. God, with the big sprites, that was awesome, awesome game. Good times. Uh, back to the future for this week. Got a lot to kind of catch up on. Let's see. Uh, saw Baby Driver. Highly recommend it. One of the best films I've seen this year. Awesome. Uh, recently just watched The Mummy 2. The, the Mummy T-O-O. Right, I saw it too. 
What'd you think? I saw it without the theater experience. Yeah, me too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, wink, wink. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was. I was doing other stuff. It didn't keep me captivated. It was okay. I mean, yeah. but it was just felt like the same old stuff that. Yeah. Spit out. You know, it's. It, there was nothing new. Uh, it wasn't as bad as people were making it out to be. Right. But it wasn't as good as people who were trying to defend it right. were making it out, so to speak. You know, it was it was passable. My but right at the beginning, I was, that was like the best part when the Universal logo goes. Away. Yeah, I was like, oh, uh, yeah, Dark like, oh, there we go. And then. <laughs> and then not a good start. What a yeah! Whoever not did the a, graphics for it, great job, guy. Not but. a good start to the dark universe, which is a shame because, yeah, as a kid a growing up, intro it though. Yeah, I mean, you know, as a kid growing up, we in the eighties we had Michael Myers, Leatherface, Mike, uh, Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees. We had our new group of monsters, but mm-hmm. we still also had like at least me personally was like, oh, Dracula, Frankenstein, Creature from the Black Lagoon, the Universal monsters. Always, 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 I've loved them. Fantastic, you know, films, especially considering when they were made. But uh, so when they're like, "Oh yeah, the reboot," you know, they're they're, they're going to have a shared universe with the Universal monsters. I'm like, "Oh God, this is awesome!" Mm-hmm. And they got Tom Cruise and Russell Crowe in it. Right. This should be great. <laughs> Again, not bad. So it's like Blind Fury. It's not great, not bad. Has a five point seven on IMDb. I'd, I mean, I'd say I just thought they didn't. The woman that played, quote the, unquote, the mummy. Um, just underutilized. Yeah, in my she was. Opinion. Well, she was mostly I, CG when she was on the screen. Yeah, and then, but also, I mean, it was mainly Tom Cruise's movie. That's and spoiler alert: if you want to watch the Mummy, stop listening now. We'll see you next week. Like, oh, what, what? And what is he now? Like I, near the end of the movie, I thought, okay, this. I'm is, guessing uh, he's the Mummy now. See, that's what I thought. But he's like a good guy. Like he's out. Somebody's there. one of them's got to be. He's a good out guy. in the desert saving people. Or like you know, like yeah. bringing his friend back, and that's another like here's here's my here's my complaint with the movie. It has oh, this that last line that his friend gave was stupid. Oh God, I was like, <laughs> let me explain everything I'm telling. Yeah, you. real quick. <laughs> hey, let me give some exposition directly yeah. to the camera right now. The whole movie's covered in it, though. Yeah, that, I hate that. And the thing is, like visually, it looks like a they tried to make a horror action movie mm-hmm. to me. But the dialogue and all the story stuff that was straight out of the Brendan Fraser mummies. Like I mean, it's not a good thing. Which the t- I like those, but for a reason, it fit. Like <laughs> it looked like the tone of the movie matched the script and everything. I mean, else. George of the Jungle was the lead. So, I mean. <laughs> hey, I love George uh, of the yeah. Jungle. That movie's fantastic. But at least you knew what you were getting. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And this one, you see the trailer. It looks, you know, it's going to be a PG thirteen horror action movie, right? Which is fine. I'm all about that. But the the dialogue is like. This is like elementary, you know, this is comical dialogue while something really fucking serious is going on right here. Yeah. And it was uneven. It just didn't feel cohesive to, it felt a little slapsticky when it's not, this is, shouldn't be slapstick right now. People are dying. Zombie mummies are running across everywhere and killing people. Mm. So not a good start to the dark universe, unfortunately. The next one, however, Bride of Frankenstein, Javier Bardem as Frankenstein. Fingers crossed, because... If you want to, if you look at the pantheon of Universal monsters in terms of the films themselves, Bride of Frankenstein is the crown jewel of Universal monsters right. in terms of directing. Like it's considered a masterpiece. Uh, so, and the oh, 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 I didn't finish my thought earlier. I thought at the end of the Mummy that Tom Cruise was, you know, they they fulfilled the prophecy and he was going to be the Mummy, That's but like the villain, like. That and that's the twist. Is he's the vil- like everything Mr. Hi- or, excuse me, Russell Crowe was saying came true. Like you know, now now you're the you know now you're evil, and then she'd be a mummy or who knows what. Right. To set up so but that what was actually true was what the blonde lady was saying. Yeah, the entire. The, <laughs> I read Egyptian and I know everything. Yeah, I think there's some good in you. Basically. <laughs> oh, well, that must be the true prophecy. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> So, but again, you should definitely see it. Well, I mean, if you tuned out for the spoilers, now you now you have no reason to yeah. see it. But uh, it's unfortunate. I think it's a, I think it's a misstep. They they should have taken a little more care with it to craft how they want this all to go together. Because, I mean, the whole Russell Crowe part it was very actually here's what it was. It was very League of Extraordinary Gentlemen-y to me. However, now I now I'm in a minority. I liked League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, the movie and the comic. 
didn't need a whole series on it, but I like what they did, bringing things together. But in this one, this is supposed to be just a piece of that with like, here's a little bit of hide. Here, ooh, here's a vampire skull in the thing, like alluding to Dracula and the Gill Man and all this. Like, okay, cool, cool, cool. And then this doesn't go anywhere. It's like, and if he's that, okay. And also if Tom Cruise is that powerful, Dracula and Frankenstein are going to show up and he's just going to be like, yeah, you're dead. Gone. It's, he's like God because that's what they're saying you, you will be a God and you can destroy life or we can be together like I'm like okay whatever uh, but, but uh, maybe that only works if he's 100% evil oh maybe so maybe that girl dies in the opening of Bride of Frankenstein and when they bring them together and he goes full on evil maybe that's the twist he goes full evil and then the other monsters unite against him wow you know what the whole the next movie should start off with just like 10 minutes of exposition to explain that to us. <laughs> and then they repeat it throughout the film. Right. Because so I might forget. You just know? in case. Because all those flashy graphics and stuff, ooh, they really distract me. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then what else? Uh, what else did we see? I think I guess Baby Driver was the last thing we saw. You seen anything? Wa- I do want to see Baby Driver. I have not seen anything. I haven't even seen Spider-Man. Oh, I saw that. That's, that's yeah. what I was thinking of. Great. Enough said. <laughs> Enough said. Uh, I need to re. I haven't watched Spider Man two in a long time, so I don't. I can't say if Spider Man Homecoming is the best Spider Man movie, but I will say this: Tom Holland is unequivocally, equivocably the best Spider Man. You haven't seen the Last Night? <laughs> no, no. But he still made a crap ton I mean, of money trans- for some reason. <sighs> That's pathetic. Oh, I, well. I want to know how they got Anthony Hopkins to be in that. They, it had to be like, here's a bucket of money. You Ooh, want that house in the? You want the house in the? You know, here you're looking for a house in Switzerland, Anthony. Oh yeah, I could use a house there. Mm. Here you go. Show up for this shit fest of a film. I want to do what the kids are watching. <laughs> <laughs> but spoiler free review of Spider Man Homecoming. It's great. It's 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 truly a Spider Man movie. Yeah, I want to see it. Uh, Tobey Maguire, like the first two Spider-Man movies, loved them. I still, I still think two is probably the best. But again, I haven't seen it in so long, so I, you know, in post Homecoming type universe to compare them. Uh, the best thing about Homecoming, no origin story. Everybody knows who Spider-Man is. Go. And they roll with it exactly. Awesome. Uh, Michael Keaton. Plus, it's not the first time we've seen him. Yeah, true. Yeah. Fantastic villain. Like what? The Vulture in the comic is this old guy in a suit who continually gets berated by Spider-Man for being old and, mm. you know, but uh, his As movie version, it's rare, I think, for the movie version to be better than the comic version, but Vulture in the movie is awesome. Fantastic villain. Looks badass. And he's the Vulture. You see him in the comic, like this old man in a bright bright green suit with fur around his neck, like an old lady. But they did a fantastic job with him. Mm. And uh, so it was, it was, it turned out really good. It's definitely worth seeing. Really? Uh, Will do. I'm excited for it. Or I was excited. I wasn't excited until kind of we were like, you know, the day of, like, oh, I actually am kind of excited. And then like watching it, like, they nailed Spider Man. Uh, Speaking in the of uh, entertainment, you know what comes out tonight? What's today? It's Sunday. Oh. Oh, Game of Thrones. Yeah. yeah. We'll be watching that very shortly. <laughs> Send us what you thought about it. <laughs> yep, I'm excited. Because here's what we thought. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> We haven't seen it yet. It was awesome. <laughs> uh, of course, been watching Twin Peaks. Loved yeah. every single second of it. Uh, the not the last the episode before last episode eight before the week off. People are loving it or hating it, but I absolutely loved it. it that was David Lynch without a leash, just doing. This is love it or hate it. There it is. So like, were you worried before it came back? I was just because. You know, any anything coming back from after that long, but I wasn't worried as like other things like uh, I don't know. Like originally, when I heard Stallone was returning to Rocky. Um, Terry O'Quinn's birthday is the day we're recording. Coincidentally, That's funny. happy birthday, Terry O'Quinn. <laughs> Loved you in Blind Fury. Yeah. <laughs> You're so better in Blind Fury than Silver Bullet, <laughs> among other things that you've been in. Now, is there another show you wish would come back from back then? Wow. It's a loaded it, question for a... It's so hard to think because... I mean, uh, you really have to think about it because also back then, a lot you know we didn't have DVD sets of shows and all that, so there were a lot of shows that I didn't see all the episodes to or you know, or fell in love with. or I mean, But also Twin Peaks is arguably the most influential television show 
that was ever made. TV Today is sh- has been was shaped by Twin Peaks. So, I mean, off the top of my head, I would like to see a reboot of like I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet. But Greatest American Hero, I remember as a kid mm, loving that yeah. show, mainly because the, the theme song. song. George Costanza <laughs> uses the answer <laughs> machine. You know, so like, and I'm surprised because of the superhero craze that that hasn't been yeah done yet. But it's you can all, you can probably count on that one coming back. But honestly, like, the bubble for superhero films is going to burst at one point. Like. I'm just not sure when. Like, I'm hoping every time a new one comes out, there's always that worry in my head. Is this going to be, which one of these is going to be the downfall of the superhero film? Because that's usually how it works. And even though, and I thought it was Batman versus Superman, but Wonder Woman managed to pull him out of that. Big time. Well, uh, so two years ago, um, Greatest American Hero reboot. Um Got approved by Fox for a pilot. Huh. So I guess it didn't do well. They must not <laughs> have liked that pilot. That's a shame. Such a great, great little, great little tune we all remember. Yeah. As a, like, I, as a kid, I, I got so excited when I'd hear, I'd hear that. You know, you flip a channel, like, oh, yeah. And, of course, it's the entire idea, the trope of finding a super suit. But it's a good idea because he has to learn how to use it. It doesn't come with an instruction manual or he lost it or something like that. So he's got to learn how to be a hero. It's a great concept. So I know the song very well, but I never watched the show. Really? Yeah. So it's a it's comedy, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be. Green screen. Yeah. Because I think like somehow he threw away the instructions like when he finds the suit or he leaves them somewhere. So he doesn't know how to work the suit. So he's Superman <laughs> with like no concept of how to like use... Like, how anything works, you know? And the inability to learn, I guess. Well, it's a great concept, you know, especially for, like, a comedy-type show, like, in, in this day and age, where everything's superhero. I don't remember being magnetic, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That should get remade. I think, and that's a concept I think that could work. They can, you get some good writers work out a season possibly two and then run with it the people who were going to make it or the guys who made the lego movie wow how did that not work right jeez that's crazy because those lego movies are on fire and they just got fired right from the star wars movie right oh is that that was them the yeah, han solo so. directors yeah i think they got canned oh really i don't know that was them well not anymore oh yeah <laughs> oh I'm, i think if we... i'm reporting that news right uh you know as for all news, do the research <laughs> yourself and find out find for out. yourself. <laughs> Wait, did that just say Amelia Clark's in that? In this? Oh, yeah, yeah. That, see, they hired on Ron Howard to finish it off. Yeah, but I don't know Amelia Clark was even attached to it. Yeah, stars. Oh, God. <laughs> and why? Wait, this can't. Wait. That... Uh, the Han Solo Star Wars anthology film, yeah. Where's Emmerich's name? The guy that's playing Han Solo. I don't even see his name on there. Oh, yeah, Alden Enreich, however you pronounce it. From uh, I mean, oh, the only thing I've seen him in was uh, Hail Caesar. Fantastic in that. I think that's I mean, probably a good cast. I mean, he's a good actor. Oh yeah, look at him. He's a great actor. I personally would have picked Army Hammer, but that's because I love Army Hammer. I think he's a good actor. Yeah, but, but this it, dude kind of looks like <laughs> a little bit. But I, again, I don't think they should be doing a Han Solo solo movie because we know how it ends. Right. I mean, there's no, there's not like, but what what answers are we looking for in this movie? Nothing. That, and yeah. Exactly. However, an Obi-Wan movie, we know nothing. So what is this? How he got to know Lando? <laughs> like, probably. probably they'll probably introduce story? how they, he won the Falcon and all that kind of stuff. Who knows? Uh, but, so it's really, you know, the Millennium Falcon but, origin story. <laughs> but um, see, Rogue One expanded the Star Wars universe. Yes. This is, is not. It's, oh, it's about Han Solo. Unless it, they flip it around. Be nice, honestly. I didn't know Rogue One was going to do what it did, you know? Yeah, that's that, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, there's such, you know, uh, a Yoda standalone movie. Uh, most importantly, a Boba Fett standalone movie. Yeah. Because everybody has a hard-on for Boba Fett. For some reason. I mean, because he's cool looking. I mean, as a kid, I was like, God, he's awesome looking. Yeah, and, he's cool oh, looking. He's, he must suck because Han Solo <laughs> took him out without even looking. <laughs> Boba Fett, where? <laughs> Boom, and then... Like, <laughs> Uh, yeah. He's so inept in the movie, and at least in Jedi, he's like the greatest American. <laughs> <laughs> I just got this suit. I don't know. How it works. 
but you know, I, was, I was gonna say it's race, but I don't know what it race is. I think he's just supposed to be like a human uh, type character. I mean, under the American human. at least in the comic or the expanded universe that they've since said is no longer canon. Right. He survived the Sarlacc by like he uses his jetpack to like explode the thing and it shoots him out, but he's like been half digested, so he looks like Deadpool. He's right. like disfigured and you no know, one of course jokes now. <laughs> <laughs> the explosion sends him to the Marvel universe where he becomes Deadpool. Yeah. <laughs> so waiting for that story to happen. That would be a, you know, because he's a bounty hunter. You can tell a story with like different races or anywhere in the gal. You're free to like molt like to go where you want to. Yeah. Han Solo movie has a point A and point B, and you're you're fitting something between there. Yeah. And that just seems like. I mean, they they know, Disney knows better than I'll ever know. Yeah. I so, mean, I'll wait and see. But I'm honestly not excited for it. Now I see a trailer. Obviously, it might change. I don't know. But it's just like, I don't want to see a Han Solo movie. In this universe that is ripe with characters and, and plot lines, or, you know, small little hints like Rogue One did. Like, yeah, you know, that one line, these are the plans that cost many lives. And that whole story, that, whole, that one line is Rogue One. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely fantastic way to handle it. I'm totally bummed that Amelia Clark's in there now because you know my feelings of her from uh, yeah. fucking Terminator Genesis. She can't follow up Game of Thrones. Yeah. And it's a shame because it, it, when you watch Game of Thrones, that is superbly acted. Mm-hmm. But then you see Kit Harrington and something else, Silent Hill or Pompeii, it's like, wow, this dude sucks. Mm. And then uh, what's her name? Uh, Sophie, the, the redhead, I forget her name. Jean Sophie Gray. Turner, yeah, like, wow, what a waste. Yeah. <laughs> what a horrible well we know my feelings on that movie but anyway uh so yeah that's pretty much all we've seen been playing however friday the 13th the game every fucking day because that game is awesome it's not for everybody right. but a listener of the podcast and a friend of my, ours now uh, roger russell me and him have been able to play a few games every now and then we talk about it on uh playstation and everything and it's just a damn good time it truly they no move. I might have said this last week. I don't remember, but no game based on a movie to me has so truly captured the atmosphere of what it's presenting. Right. That's Friday the Thirteenth, the game, because you're sitting there, everything's quiet. You, you know, slightly creepy music. All of a sudden, dun, Jason's somewhere nearby. Like, oh shit! And then you hear, well, you, that, it doesn't sound like you just heard, but you know, I was knocking on wood. Like you hear him chopping a door down. And it's all proximity voice, so you'll be hearing, you'll be talking to somebody on the radio, like you got the keys, all right? I got the battery. I'm coming, and all of a sudden you're. Ah! It's always a camp, though, isn't it? Yeah. What's well, there's three maps right now. I'd be interested in seeing like just like it's fine that they're going with the movies, but show me something. You know, give me something more. You know? Well, their idea is to the camp and incorporate or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that, that's because uh, of course it was a Kickstarter game. Yeah. So. And it's, ha- it's been plagued by glitches and all sorts of stuff like that, which the developers are fixing. And people, typical human beings, oh, it's stupid. This, they got all this money. They, should be do- they don't have a lot of money. Mm. You know? And uh, they, this isn't Activision. They don't have any kind of money behind them. But they're, they're constantly on Twitter. They're constantly on Facebook saying, we know these are the issues. We're working on it. Yeah. You know, so they're doing their best. And they, they just, the glitches, sometimes it's game ruining. But at the same time, I almost look forward to them. So, or <laughs> when something so random happens, it's hilarious to me. Like, uh, I wish I would have recorded more, but I made a YouTube video of a couple of them, just the most ridiculous ones that I actually had recorded. And it's just, when sometimes when it happens, you can't help but laugh. And it, a- it adds to the hilarity and the campiness, for lack of a better word, Camp Crystal Lake, of the game itself. So it's, it's a fantastic game. If you like Friday the 13th, if you like 80s horror movies, and you have a PlayStation or an Xbox you will probably love this game. There is a learning curve, however. Don't get on it. It's different from any other game you've played. It's a, you can play it stealth, but I mean, you can play it trying to kill Jason because you can kill Jason. I've only done it once. It requires teamwork, which is few and far between <laughs> in random, playing with random people. Like in real life. But uh, it is so much, so much fun. Mm. I, I truly, it, it's rare, I was telling just, you before the podcast, Jesse, it's rare for me to latch on to a multiplayer game so much to where the multiplayer is what I'm obsessed with, but not since Mass Effect 3 have I been so obsessed with the game's multiplayer. Uh, tons and tons of fun. If you're playing on PlayStation, Zone of the Ender is my PSN name. Shoot me an invite and we'll hit it up. Uh, but let's see, we, do, we did get an email from a, a new listener, Mark Wilbur. He says, hey guys, name's Mark, I'm from New Hampshire. 
I just wanted to say thank you for doing this podcast. You're welcome. I discovered it a month or so ago and been hooked ever since. I don't know if the movie you're talking about, I usually watch it and then listen to the episode after, and it's just a great thing to listen to after finishing the movie. If I know the movie even if I know the movie even better, I was born in December of '89. So you were born roughly when this Blind Fury came out in Germany. Oh, boy. Uh, so this is perfect. Listening to you guys and your hot-sounding wife. Wow, that's the fourth person that said that. <laughs> During my third shift, stocking yogurt makes time fly by. Thanks again, Mark. You're welcome, Mark. Yes, my wife does sound hot. And in fact, uh, I tried to get her to come as a surprise silent guest because she wouldn't say hardly anything until we started talking about stuff that she'd seen. Right. Uh, the get her over here but she's like i gotta go do my nails I'm like sure that was want, today yeah yeah because oh. <laughs> we're coming back from what we were doing earlier and right i was like just uh when we just swing by, by jesse's it's like oh, well, i got stuff to do. i got laundry i'm like oh, okay whatever that'll be fair it's only five minutes away <laughs> true so what a big deal <laughs> but yeah so that wraps it up for this week next uh let's see uh of course email 80s at gmail.com on facebook at awesome pods twitter at 80s revisited uh I think that's all of them at awesome or awesomepods.com, period. Uh, and our, of course, our shout outs to Now vs. Nostalgia with John and James, and of course, Ben with the Asia Mania podcast and everything. And then next week, speaking of Ben, he requested for Halloween Horror that we do Cannibal Holocaust. So we're going to do that next week because I already have the theme for Halloween Horror and it doesn't fit. So. Mm. And also, Ben posted he, wasn't, he was feeling kind of down a, few, a, a week or so ago. So. Again, we originally planned for this to come out sooner. So I was like, oh, Ben's feeling yeah. now. I'll do the podcast request fault. that he wanted. I went on vacation. We staggered our vacation. Yeah. <laughs> it's nobody's fault. That's life. It's right. life's fault. Well, one, we synced up vacations. And then? And then you went on. And then <laughs> well, I went did, on. Yeah, and then we were off. Yeah. We, got, we synced and then immediately got off. <laughs> we, did the, we did it in reverse. We, right. It's our summer break. Expect it every, every year, folks. There you go. <laughs> Works for me. But next week, we'll talk about Cannibal Holocaust. So... Uh, if you haven't seen it, word of advice, don't watch it if you have a weak stomach or any people you watch it that might be watching it with you have a weak stomach because this, in all honesty, is one of the most brutal, horrible films you will ever see. Right. So, But you'll if, get my opinion on it next week. Yeah, if you still want to watch a movie about cannibals, though, there's always cannibal Cannibal musical. musical, which is yep. fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And aside from Silence of the Lambs, out. probably my favorite movie about a cannibal. There you go. Even though Silence of the Lambs technically isn't about a cannibal, but you get my drift. Right. So until next week, everybody, I remain Trey Harris. Jesse Sedgley. Cowabunga! I said that with blind, being blind, by the way. Right, that's how you quote your eyes. This show and more on Facebook.com slash AwesomePods. And follow us on Twitter at AwesomePods.